Hey, Jesse, how you doing? I'm good, Katie. I had a um, pretty inspiring thing happen to me. What's that? Well, we've talked about this, but before I met you, I thought, uh, I've spoken a lot openly about this. I thought homosexuality was immoral. It had been sort of mm-hmm. one of the driving. It is. Right. But we've come to a more nuanced understanding because of my... It's immoral, but there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it, turns, it turns out there's nothing wrong with being immoral. That's my stand. Anyway, you're the, you're the first gay person I ever talked to and befriended, and I've come to view the whole thing very differently. And I think uh, I'm at a point now where I actually have pretty good gaydar as evidenced by what happened last night. Can I tell you a very brief story? Okay, yeah. I was out with my brother and some friends at dinner here in Berlin, and I walked home, and I passed a bar, and I noticed subtle clues in the name of the bar that led me to suspect that it might actually be one of you people's bars. So let me run this by you and tell me if I'm correct about this. Mm -hmm. The name of the bar was actually Bar Homo. <laughs> I thought you were going to say hole. <laughs> <laughs> just it was just an open ass. Uh, do you think Bar Homo is likely to have been a gay bar? You know, you're in Germany, and I don't speak German, so I'm actually not sure in this case. It's funny because I actually I wanted to rem- like make sure I was getting the name right, and I searched for Bar Homo Berlin, and nothing came up. So this may have been like a uh, some sort of repressed fever dream. So, well, what was happening outside the bar? <laughs> they're literally. This is this is really the key. They're literally. Was a dude in like a skimpy leather outfit? I'm not making that part up. Okay, yeah, that that was okay. my question. You know, I think that that gay bars versus lesbian bars like really tells you all that you need to know about the difference between gay culture and lesbian culture. Like, there's a gay bar in Seattle. I don't go to this gay bar anymore for many reasons, one of which is that apparently at one point— You'd be shot on sight? Well, at one point, uh, I heard that someone printed out a photo of my Twitter avatar and uh, put it in a urinal at this particular gay bar. Makes sense. Yeah. It's called Pony. I don't think I'm I'm welcome there at this point. And if you go to Pony and then you go down to the Wild Rose, which is the last lesbian bar in Seattle, maybe it might be— well, actually, I think Portland has a lesbian. Yeah, Portland does have a lesbian bar now because we uh, we we did a show about it. Do you remember this? No, you don't remember this. We did a, a whole show about the the lesbian bar in in Portland. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've done so many of those. Those are like always some of the most popular episodes. It's like some local establishment melts down. This is one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. This one was called Doc Marie's, and I'm sort of blanking on on what the drama was. Anyway, so you go down the street to the Wild Rose. And the most wild thing that they would have at the Wild Rose is like karaoke night, and the idea of like hanging paper mache vulvas from the from the the ceiling of the Wild Rose. It just wouldn't happen. It would never show lesbian porn on the on the the TV screens. It's just like a very sexless environment. Yeah, the uh, the place I was at last night <laughs> at the place I Freudian slip. They wouldn't let me in. The place I passed by last night seemed to be male focused and seemed to be a little bit more, shall we say, in your face. I think there it's almost like there's differences between male and female sexuality. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it seems that way. I can't quite put my finger in it, but it seems that way. Actually, I take that back. Okay, so I'm looking at the Wild Rose Instagram right now, and actually it is highly sexual because according to their Instagram, they're having a sale on the chicken salad wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I just say, make one other random point that has nothing to do with anything? Sure. A few weeks ago, Robert Kennedy Jr., who, don't get me wrong, is very crazy, tweeted, and I quote, mm-hmm. Since the assassination of my father in 1968, candidates for president are provided secret service protection, but not me. 
Typical turnaround times for pro forma protection requests from presidential candidates is 14 days. After 88 days of no response and after several follow-ups by our campaign, blah, blah, blah. There's now a community note saying that this just isn't, isn't quite accurate. Anyway, 14 days, typical turnaround time, 88 days of no response. <gasps> Dog whistle. A bunch of people literally, <laughs> resistance idiots, <laughs> literally are like saying, RFK Jr.'s a Nazi. Did you see an RFK Jr.'s a Nazi? It's, like, <laughs> Wait, not you have only, to explain this. Not, well, no. Okay, so 1488 is 8-8. Eight, eight, this is like a well-known. It is actually Is the Nazi year term. Hitler took over Germany. Yep, 1488. No, 14 is like the 14 words, which has to do with like securing a future for the white race. Um, 88 is Heil Hitler, H-H. So a bunch of people literally think Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is basically saying Heil Hitler and like being being an actual Nazi rather than just a normal crazy person, and that that would be enough right there just to be incredibly stupid. Huffington Post sends a request to comment to the <laughs> RFK Junior campaign, basically like, "Hey, are you guys not like secret Nazis, but not so secret that you won't just put this in a press release?" Like, can you imagine receiving an email? You already work for the Robert F Kennedy Junior um, campaign, so something in your life has already gone wrong. You get a. Request for comment from HuffPo being like, are you guys Nazis? I, I don't I don't understand this. Oh, my God. You know who else commented on this was Sarah Silverman. She's also concerned about what she say. The numbers he cites are incorrect. So why such specific numbers? I'm at once struck by there's no way he could purposely do this. And what are the chances this is a coincidence? <laughs> uh, very high. Very actually. <laughs> also, every yeah. number is specific. <laughs> True, true. Yes. Uh, well, I'm glad HuffPo is putting their best on that one. Get to the bottom of it, people. Should I try to go back to Bar Homo tonight and like get in and just like dress the way I'd normally dress and acting the way I I don't be like, hello, I'm an American. Can I can I be a tourist here? Do you think that'd work? They're not going to let you in. Katie, what is the name of this increasingly rambling yet tolerant podcast? This is Blockton Report and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single. Uh, and today... Oh, I should say that you, we had a little fight, um, and I'd actually like to get reader feedback on this. Katie does the notes in Ariel 11, which while it's- the, We've discussed this. No, but I just, this is escalating because you saw me, you caught me in the act of changing it and you called me out on it rather brutally in a yes. way that I thought was yes. unnecessarily mean. And I just need some backup that obviously Times New Roman 12 is a much better font than Ariel. We have already had this conversation on the show before. You're, you've got giant holes in your memory. Uh, and everyone agreed with me. Look, here, we do not have a house style, but we share this. We have a, a combined Google Doc. And I think the rule should be from now on, whoever sends the Google Doc first gets to choose the font. And today I sent the Google Doc to you. Therefore, we're going with Ariel. Okay, one sec. Katie, check your email. I just sent you an empty notes doc for next week's show. <laughs> That's um, not that how this works. No, no. Times no. New Roman 12. Okay, anyway, no, what are we- it is, who, it is whoever completes their notes first. This is really like, who's the sick Google engineer who decided that should be the default? Where did that come from? What was it in Microsoft Word? It was in RL 11, right? Look, Jesse, it is not 1984. You are not writing on a typewriter and you do not work for the New York Times. Use the use the modern font. Blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. Tell Katie how wrong she is. Katie, what are we actually talking about today? Well, Jesse, I think that you should really be answering question, this question because you are going to tell us about the new college, Florida. Katie, closing your eyes and not looking at your screen and relying only on your impeccable memory, what do you remember? about the new college of Florida. 
First of all, what state is it in? Do you remember that? It's Florida. I got that. Good. It's Florida. It. It's the Florida. Uh, the mascot is the artichokes. Is that correct? Oh, a banyan tree. A black banyan tree. That was the mascot. <laughs> black. A black racist banyan. No, he's not black it racist. The, the tree itself isn't racist. The tree itself is a stare. Well, I guess it is racist. Um, okay. New College of Florida. It's in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. It was a very liberal place. Lots of NBs. The sort of evergreen state of Florida, although I, I believe the academics are a little bit more impressive there. And it was recently taken over uh, in a hostile takeover by one Chris Rufo. An armed siege of sorts, except without any weapons. An unarmed siege. So uh, we're, we're jumping back into this because there's been some very interesting reporting that was nicely summed up by Michelle Goldberg in a New York Times column uh, that sort of caught us up on what's been going on down in Sarasota. She links to some other very good local reporting. So I figured we should just uh, revisit this controversy because a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, So yes, as you were alluding to, the new College of Florida, despite being a tiny liberal arts school with just about uh, 700 students or so, uh, has become this flashpoint garnering national headlines uh, concerning the the our never ending culture wars between libcocks and maga heads. Okay, remind everyone why. Okay, so but I'm gonna partly lean on my catchphrase. It's it's complicated, or it's a little bit complicated. Um, it looks like there were sort of a couple main reasons. One is that the new College of Florida was already like sort of in rough shape when all this happened, um, and and when Ron DeSantis was elected governor. I found a straight news article in the Sarasota Herald Tribune, which noted that uh, while the school was like pretty well respected as this quirky liberal arts outlier, quote, it has struggled in recent years with low enrollment, low scores on a state system for ranking universities, concerns raised by state lawmakers about whether the college is an efficient use of public money because of the high cost of each degree and questions about the stability of its funding. Okay, so the college had some pre-existing issues before Rufo came down to Florida to save it. Yeah, and the last time we we talked about this we just sort of talked about what was happening in that moment i looked a bit more into like the the past and how the past led to the presence on this um the enrollment issues are absolutely legit i found a 2021 blog post on the student publication there the catalyst long before any of this controversy had emerged showing that there was this like alarming five-year dip in enrollment um talking about possible causes and solutions uh we'll also include a link to the 2023 report showing that the new college was in fact the lowest ranking state university according to the system florida uses uh and has sort of struggled on that front for a few years so and and is that in terms of like student performance or in terms of like uh jobs graduate jobs or how do they rank that it's a composite score that i didn't look closely into that that takes a bunch of things into account, but one of them is like how likely the kids are to get jobs after they uh, graduate. So lots of degrees in underwater basket weaving, I take it. They lead in underwater basket weaving, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, and this is, so I know a few people who've gone to, who went to new college, people both my age and people older than or our age and then people older than us. And new college back in the day had a good reputation. It, it was fairly, I don't know if, if maybe rigorous is the right word, but it, it did have a good reputation. Yeah. So it, it's like, I think it's like a top 75-ish college in the country. And then among public liberal arts schools, which I think is not a huge group, it's like number six or seven in the country. Um, so it's not like a- it, Wait, currently? Uh, it was the last time those ranking came, came out. Um, okay, but I'm sorry. I'm just confused here because you just said that it was the lowest performing school, public school in the state. But the those, are, those aren't like strictly academic ratings. Okay. I'm talking about like college ratings, like which, where do you get the most rigorous um, – 
the the Florida ratings are as much about like consumer value and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I think it it is a pretty well respected academic place, but I don't want people to get confused. It's not it's not Harvard or like Wesleyan or anything like that. Or Princeton. Or yeah, whatever that is. I've never heard of it. Um. So I'm I'm laying out this just because like I I don't want people to get the sense that this was some like really really seamlessly well functioning institution before Ron DeSantis set his sights on it. There there were some problems. We should acknowledge that. Um. So like the more you look into this, the more you you get the sense that like DeSantis really saw this as an opportunity um, and an opening because politically it makes sense. Like his whole thing is being against wokeness. You say you're against wokeness. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? You have this like specific vulnerable target for your efforts and it's one that you can paint as this like totally wacky off the rails bastion of wokeness that you're trying to reform and you can treat it as like a model for what you would do if for example you were elected president of the entire united states what i want from my president is a president who targets low performing liberal arts schools number one issue yeah for me yes very yes in, in all the issues facing florida i'm, I'm really a single issue voter of all the yes. instances take down evergreen state Take down the new College of Florida, then you got my vote. When I think about the problems uh, facing Florida, which is a hurricane-battered swamp infested with alligators that will be underwater in 20 years, new College of Florida just leaps to the top of that list. It's it's awful. You know, it's interesting to me that, and I think strategically this was a mistake, that DeSantis has focused so much of his campaign on, on wokeness when I think as a governor... He like he's a fairly adequate executive. Like he his response after the last big hurricane in Florida, the, the name I'm, of which I'm forgetting, was pretty fucking good. Uh, he got hurricane that wo- this, hurricane wokeness. Hurricane wokeness. He got that bridge like rebuilt that goes over to a uh, to a uh, from traditional Fort, values bridge. Yeah, that uh, goes over to Sanibel really quickly. Uh, you know, he kept the schools open, which I think proved to be during COVID, which I think proved to be the correct correct move there. But instead of leaning into just the fact that like he's a competent leader, he's going after you know Goofy because Goofy's pansexual. <laughs> it's weird. I'm, so I'm looking at the Times coverage of his reelection, and this was a mere nine months ago or ten months ago. Ron DeSantis won a second term as Florida's governor in a rout on Tuesday, uh, according to the AP, cementing Republicans' grip on power in a state that was once a premier battleground, as well as his own reputation as a top contender for the presidency. He has since, his presidential ambitions have since stalled out completely, but you're right that within Florida, which is obviously a very important state, popular dude. And it it wasn't because of culture war issues, if anything, that seems to be, we're jumping the gun a little bit. It's a distraction. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think my theory is that he he did the same thing that like Elizabeth Warren did and Cory Booker did and whatever, whichever Castro brother ran for president last time, which is hire advisors who are way too online, like surround yourself with young people who have strong opinions about cultural issues and, and are like hyper on Twitter and they're giving them bad advice. And the advice is like, is like play to the Twitter base, not figure out how to govern for everybody. There was a, I think it was also Michelle Goldberg who just pointed out like how online he's been and just like the references he'll make that just yeah. like no normal person would get. And then of course there's this thing with, with Nate Hawk, Hawkman or Hotchman, his young staffer who put like a, basically a Nazi meme in one of the videos. So yeah, not great. Yeah. Um, very online, very online. I'm starting to think he might not be the nominee, Katie. 
I'm like, I'm so glad about that because I, <laughs> I was I'm genuinely concerned that he was going to be the nominee, then win the election and and install Chris Rufo as the secretary of education. Gen- I'm general, I was genuinely concerned about this, but it looks like he will be stuck in Florida for the duration. I mean, right. So in Trump's election, who who will we get instead of Secretary of Education, Jared Kushner? <laughs> you know what? I'm I, hey, maybe uh, Betsy DeVos will come back. Which honestly, you could do worse. We keep like coming up like against new frontiers of you could do worse as as time yeah. progresses. Okay, let's get back to the new College of Florida. Um, part of the problem with this campaign is like there. Yes, it was a liberal arts school, like you said, a lot of they them. It's very progressive place, but there wasn't that much evidence to suggest the new College of Florida was some gonzo DEI bureaucrat driven institution, uh, like the kind where you would need people to swoop in and reform it. Connor Friedersdorf actually went down there and he wrote a helpful Atlantic article about both the college itself uh, and the origins of DeSantis's decision to target it. That latter one's interesting. I'm not going to get into the whole story of how DEI stuff sort of came to Florida Public University post-George Floyd. Um, you can read Connor's piece if you want it. But it turns out it had nothing to do with leftist ideologues. Do you want to read this, this paragraph? Sure. In short, a banker appointed by DeSantis led an aggressive top-down push for sweeping new DEI initiatives in all of Florida's public colleges, compelling every campus, including New College, to put more emphasis on DEI. Months later, Rufo, who says DeSantis appointees should be obeyed for the sake of democracy... <laughs> Arrived at New College and lambasted the very DEI bureaucracy another DeSantis appointee had helped create, talking as if it had been imposed by leftist radicals. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that awesome? I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't read that. So, like, yeah. there obviously are places, places with, like, crazy DEI infrastructure that are get sort of ideologically taken over, but this was not one of them. Part of what's ironic, too, is that according to Connor— New College basically ignored these rules when they came, <laughs> because like New College is like sort of the the kid smoking it, it, in the back of the classroom. Yeah, it like functions so poorly that they couldn't they couldn't uh, install the bureaucracy correctly. <laughs> well, it also it just like apparently has this ethos of being a little bit rebellious and not caring what the rest of yeah. the, the state system is yeah. doing, which might account for its failing state <laughs> scores. Um, but yes, it's it is true that it's a progressive place, not welcoming to conservative students, uh, according to Connor. Anyway. The, the specific facts clearly don't matter that much because Ron DeSantis is a very ambitious guy and he thinks that uh, a highly visible war on wokeness, including Mickey Mouse himself, can pave a path <laughs> uh, to the White House for him. So in January, DeSantis really kicks his... Is it because Mickey Mouse doesn't wear pants? Is that it? I mean, as far as I know, the fact that Mickey Mouse doesn't have visible genitalia is confusing to children, and we need to change that. Actually, I'm wrong. He does wear pants. He doesn't wear a shirt. You know what I think? Yeah, I think the issue is, is he's a null. That's the thing that WPATH was trying to to get surgeries for people who don't want crotches. They're promoting eunuchism (laughs) to children. Yeah, it's horrible. Those sick fucks. Uh, you were saying? Uh, <laughs> I was saying. So in January, DeSantis really kicks this whole thing into high gear by announcing he's appointing six new members to the new college board. Um, now, these had been positions that had been vacant or expired, so they did need new people. Uh, the way the system works, according to the Sarasota Herald Tribune, is that, uh, long story short, DeSantis was really able to take control of the school between these appointees um, and this other appointee he was able to provide. Like So the... As of that point in January, the school is really 
controlled by these conservatives because that's who uh, who he appoints is conservatives. Okay, and these new trustees, what were they hoping to do to the college? So at the time, a DeSantis staffer said, quote, it is our hope that New College of Florida will become Florida's classical college, more along the lines of a Hillsdale of the South. Um, Hillsdale College is a conservative Christian school, uh, Michigan, right? I think. Uh, and one uh, of, Somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah, it's all, should just be one crappy state. Um, and actually one of the new board members is a Hillsdale professor. They're all conservative activists and intellectual types. And the most famous one by far is Chris Rufo. By this point in January, he'd sort of established himself as a supervillain to the left. Okay, so quick question. Do they know that it is unconstitutional to make a public college into a Christian college? Are they aware of this? <laughs> I'm hoping they did not mean that it will literally be a Hillsdale of the South, but yes, that is definitely a fair question for them. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to refer to a Christian college uh, as your model, that seems like a, probably a pretty important part of the curriculum. Yeah. Okay, and I know the answer to this, but how much experience does Chris Rufo have <laughs> running colleges or really anything? Yes, he has none. Um, it's funny. If you go to the page of the board of trustees of the new college of Florida, they don't even try to dress him up as anything but an activist. His entry includes the fact that, um, in recent years, Rufo has led the fight against critical race theory in American institutions. <laughs> Rufo's research and activism inspired a presidential order and legislation in 15 States where he's worked closely with conservative governors, blah, blah, blah. So like they're not trying to hide anything there. No one's pretending. Hey, he's also a uh, losing candidate for the Seattle city council. Oh, yeah. Do they mention that? Lest we forget. Um, so yeah, no one's pretending Rufo's there for any reason but to like really remake the institution in a further a right wing direction. I will say it's not like he's the only board member without experience administrating a call administering a college. Like, I think these boards get a group of like you know, actual experts who know what they're doing, some of which are on the board, but then like favored political appointee type. So another member appointed by the board of governors, Dr. Sarah Mackey is an optometrist and co-owner and vice president of iCenter Incorporated. Uh, And she, she sounds like an nice lady. She founded some, some center to get glasses to underprivileged kids, but she's not a uh, university administrator. And yeah, I don't think that's limited to Florida at all. The in North Carolina, no. the board of governors that runs that runs the state university system is political appointees. Oh my god, Katie. I just uh blacked out and clicked over to my Gmail. Guess how many items are in my inbox? 1488. 88. Oh. Holy shit. That's so fucked up. It's a Hitler podcast now. Um yeah, yeah. So that's not that unusual. But um so yeah, there, there, there are plenty of fair criticisms of this whole thing. Not unusual for someone to get appointed just because they are liked by someone. Okay, so how does this takeover go at first? So even before anything like really happens, it gets off to a bit of a rough and circus-like start. Um, first, Rufo, I can't remember if we talked about this. I don't think we did. Rufo posts a link to a video of him demanding to the school's president and provost Provost that an event take place despite there being supposed credible threats to him. It's like really good marketing PR. Yeah, I think we did talk about that. It's just, it's weird because I guess he had like a documentary film crew with him. That wasn't great. Then in May, a student spits on Rufo uh, at a DeSantis bill signing ceremony, which took place at uh, New College, which is not ideal. Charges against her are later dropped. Um, And there's, of course, that's pretty fucked up. It is. Yeah, you don't want to spit on people. Unless it's like a, a, a certain bars in Berlin where that's part of the deal. Yeah, or like a spitting contest. You, you don't know. A spitting contest, it's not to spit on people. It's who can spit the furthest. You're clearly, you've not never been Not the spitting contest that I've been to. <laughs> <laughs> in Berlin. Uh, okay, so there's all this coverage about what's going to happen to this quirky liberal arts school and its students and teachers. 
a lot of it framed negatively, which is understandable because like they're they're remaking this school that has a very distinctive identity that's been built up over the decades. Rufo- yeah, and they didn't they didn't like they want to make a they want a, a public hillsdale in Florida. They didn't go out and make their own thing. They took over this thing that already existed yeah. against the will of probably 100 percent of the student body and the faculty and the administrators on this campus. It would like if I put on my cargo shorts and wandered into Bar Homo instead of just finding one of the straight bars I could go to. It's more like if you are a capricious billionaire with power and you buy a company, I don't know, maybe like a social media company, <laughs> and fire the entire staff and make the product worse. Just, I don't know, just on my mind. The other thing was that like Rufo and his crop of activist buddies on the board are very clear that this is not going to be a gradual process. Like they're really seeking to revolutionize the way new college works, like it's this urgent quest. So yeah, if you're a current student or faculty member and you were drawn to the college because it had these specific values and this this quirky identity, like and good weed and good or weed, cheap weed, um, yeah, you're sort of out of luck. And at one point, there's a there's a quote from someone involved in this who's basically just like, "Look, if if you want to go elsewhere, we'll try to help you go elsewhere, but this is the way it is now." So. I gotta say, and like, and go elsewhere where, like, there's not another college like in Florida public school like New College of Florida. Yeah, well, actually, we'll get to that because they, 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 they found a much northern equivalent. But um, I gotta say, like, just as a human pe- being, that part of the story really got to me because whatever you think about the underlying issues, changing the direction of college is like going to be a slow process. Like, if they had to do that, this sounds naive because this is largely a political stunt. But if they had to do this, they could have done it in a more gradual way where you at least let the current kids there finish out their studies or, or like have right. more time to figure out an alternative. But this has all happened since January and the new school year is about to start. And, and you could have done it in a way that at least attempted to get buy-in from the people who are already there, but they didn't do this. No. And I, I don't think, I think all, and, all the evidence suggests they don't really care about the president, about present new college students or faculty. They're more of these like revolutionary no. types who believe that collateral damage is inevitable, but what they're doing is super important. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I should have mentioned, they also fired the um, old president, Patricia Ocker, and uh, named an interim president, Richard Corcoran, who is very uh, sympathetic to their goals. Oh, yeah. And, and Jesse, they paid him an insane amount. I, I tweeted about this when it happened at the time. Let me just read you my tweet. Oh, and we talked about yeah. it too, yeah. Yeah. I, so here's what I tweeted at the time. The new board at New College of Florida fired the old president, hired a DeSantis crony, and then raised his salary by by $400,000 more than the prior president. So he'll be making $700,000 plus an $84,000 uh, uh, housing stipend. So I, at the time that this happened, I looked up the all of the salaries for university presidents in Florida. New College of Florida, which again has a student body of less than a thousand people, this the president of this university will be making. He'll be the third highest paid president in the system, behind only the presidents of the University of Florida and Florida State University, which have respectively student bodies of over seventy thousand and almost sixty thousand people. It, he's getting paid. I did the math at the time. I don't remember it, but he's getting paid something like like a thousand dollars per student small budget conservatism katie small budget conservatism yeah yeah totally and this is taxpayer funded people taxpayer funded should we uh do a little housekeeping before we get to how crazy things have gotten lately let's do it you do it katie we are a podcast you can send us questions comments cuss words story ideas font preferences at blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com 
We might get back to you, but we will definitely read your emails, even if we don't. Uh, you can also check us out on Reddit. We're at Reddit. Oh, fuck. We're at blockedandreported.reddit.com. Is that right, Jesse? Nice. Yeah, you did well. We got a subreddit over there. Lots of interesting conversations happening. We also have merch. If you go to barpodmerch.com, you can check out our T-shirts, our hoodies, our Pervert for Nuance T-shirts selling like blockbusters. Oh, it looks like we have some. Oh, nice. We have a we have a red hat now. I didn't even see that one. I like it. It looks good. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> Who put that red hat? We've there? got tote oh. bags. Does it say Does it say mag, mag on it? <laughs> it's sort of a like a maroon. It looks good though. Uh, we've got our Park Slope Panthers t-shirts. I was wearing one the other day, and somebody asked me if I was in Park Slope or if I was from Park Slope. Always fun when that happens. I said I was, like, totally taken aback. I shouldn't have been because I was wearing a fucking t-shirt. And I responded, it's a fake place. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and most importantly, if you go to blockedandreported.org, you can join us as a premium subscriber at Primo where for just $5 a month, you get three extra episodes of this podcast every month, ad-free episodes. Sometimes they'll be early, sometimes they won't. And uh, we've got a great and growing community over there, over 12,000 people. We're approaching 13,000 people who have joined this community. And it really is. Like, the comment section is really great. Really good. Uh, really interesting conversations over there. It's, I think, the least toxic place on the Internet, at least at this exact moment in time. And again, like uh, we've said this before, but the key way to support us is to sign up at blockchainreporter.org as a primo if you if you can afford it and would like to. It's an amazing community. That's like the reason we're able to do this is because of our premium subscribers. And uh, I, you know, I don't want to get sentimental, but we we love them. This is what I always tell Moose, and I'm going to say it to our subscribers too. I love you, and I'm in love with you. I don't know if I'm in love with our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I love them as a as a source of revenue. Am I in love with them as okay. a source of revenue? Well, I'm in love with you as a source of revenue. Please join us. Are you saying that to me or to them? Not you. You were you oh, okay. no, not I you. I like at all. you. <laughs> not you at all. Moose and our subscribers. Katie, before we get back to the main event, I've got some exciting breaking news from two hours ago. Oh what? This tweet. Tesla Tesla owners Silicon Valley, whatever the fuck that is. You pronounce words so oddly. Tesla. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla owner Silicon Valley tweeted, is there ever a reason to block first mute someone? Question mark. Give your reasons. To which Elon Musk responded, block is going to be deleted <gasps> as a feature, except for DMs. What the <gasps> fuck? He's, oh my God, this is the worst day of Michael Hobbs's life. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I immediately changed my mind about this. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. this is a horrible idea. Michael Hobbs being forced to see the responses of the people he lies about. It's all worth it. Well, that is a horrible idea. But but really, if it's bad for Michael Hobbs, I'm on board with it. I take back everything that I've said about Elon in the past. Elon is doing a great job. Who have you blocked who you're most looking forward slash dreading uh, seeing in your mentions again? There's like... I don't, I don't... I'm not trying to pick more fights with people at this point. There's been enough of that. There's a lot of people... My Twitter's horrible, but it is only... Barely bearable because I've blocked probably thousands of people at this point. Yeah. I feel like you're not as promiscuous a blocker as I am. I mute because I think it drives people crazier. Yeah. I already have quality filters on. I just like, I think that blocking gives people a level of satisfaction. I mean, sometimes I do it because 
I'm just annoyed and I'm like, I'm going to take away this thing that gives you pleasure, which is seeing my tweets. And so I will do it on occasion if I'm just in the mood. Yeah. But for the most part, I just I, I mute really liberally. You also like what? And then I just imagine them shouting into the wind with nobody hearing them. When you block someone and then they post a photo of you having blocked them as though it's a triumph. That shouldn't still annoy me, but it does because it's just so stupid. It's like, yeah, congratulations. I think you're annoying and I blocked you. Good job. Right. Let's get back to the story. So yes, the story's back in the news now because the school year is set to begin and we have some information about sort of the first incoming class under the new regime. Um, as Michelle Goldberg noted in this column, which you should read, it's quite a read, we'll link to it. There is some weird stuff going on. Katie, do you want to read this? Sure. Over a third of the faculty members have left. Many of last year's students are continuing their education elsewhere. Hampshire, oh my God, of course it's Hampshire. A small private liberal arts school in New England has offered financial aid to new college students so they can transfer without tuition increases. 35 plan to attend Hampshire this fall, and 30 more have inquired about doing so in the spring, a large number given that last year New College had fewer than 700 students. Jesse, do you, what do you know about Hampshire? Hampshire's like, it's, it's an amazing... Massachusetts. It's like, I think there was an SNL thing. Were those kids Hampshire or Amherst? Picture like very smart kids and a lot of weed and a lot of like white dreadlocks until maybe 2007 and hacky sack. I think that's yeah. basically Hampshire, right? Hampshire is one of these places that I believe doesn't do grades. Yeah, I I, I'm, I Googled and reminded myself, these were called Jarrett's Room. These were recurring sketches on SNL that maybe you guys didn't see 2000, 2004, Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands as like stoned doing a webcast. Remember webcasts um, as like stoned out Hampshire college students. Highly recommend that. Anyway, Katie, you were saying. Wait, is a webcast just like a zoom? What's a webcast? It's just like, how's that different a, than like a YouTube? streaming streaming video, but it was called the webcast back then. Oh, so it's the thing that uh, Twitchers make millions of dollars doing every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Hampshire College, so they don't do grades. They do written evaluations. Hampshire is like the – it's the evergreen of evergreens. But it's a private school, so it's for, like, rich kids. But apparently they're they're uh, making some concessions on tuition. I wonder if, if Hampshire is also facing student body uh, reductions. A lot of liberal arts colleges have – I went to a public liberal arts college, UNC Asheville. And from what I'm hearing, they also have not been doing – and this was one of the, like – not I wouldn't say flagship, but it was like a good public liberal arts school when I was there. And from what I hear, they're also have had like major reductions in in applicants and standards and money over the last yeah. few years. It's in Amherst, though. That's a really good region of Massachusetts. I feel like if you lived in Massachusetts, you would live in like Amherst or that that whole area. You're stereotyping me because I'm a lesbian. What is also you like you like nature. Yeah, you like lesbians. You like cute like college towns. Um, just representing the home state here. Okay, so yes, that is. The <laughs> what is the per capita rate of golden doodles? Very. Oh it's my probably God, really high. high. Also, there's like I bet yeah. if there's like a secret, because you're like you're like a real bigot, a real turf, and I bet if there's like a secret contingent of Massachusetts turf bigots, they're holed up. They're like cute, you know, fifty something lesbian couples in. Amherst and the surrounding uh, area. So you should you should go there. You know what? They're probably all like in their 70s and they're hiding out. They're avoiding like Hampshire students and Smith students. That's what's happening. <laughs> Do you want to continue or reading that passage from Michelle Okay, from yeah, Michelle sorry. Goldberg? Goldberg continues, last week, New College's leadership announced it was moving to abolish the gender studies department. Wow. It's just like virtue signaling, but you're firing people. I, I'm sorry. I don't get the sense they did any research to be like, this is a particularly bad gender studies department. They just, they don't like gender studies. So they're going to, 
fire. Yeah. I think this is really bad. I mean, I've obviously got my problems with gender studies, but this is just like this is. I don't. I think it's great. <laughs> it seems like bullying. What are they going to replace it with? Like a YouTube department? YouTube studies? <laughs> YouTube studies, yeah. You can't pretend to be in favor of academic freedom and then do shit like this. Okay. Back to Goldberg. Rufo speaks a lot about academic excellence and the virtues of a classical liberal education. But as Stephen Walker of the Sarasota Herald Tribune reported in a damning July story, the incoming class recruited by the new administration has lower average grades, SAT scores, and ACT scores than last year's class. Quote, much of the drop in average scores can be attributed to incoming student athletes who, despite scoring worse on average, have earned a disproportionate number of the school's $10,000 per year merit-based scholarships, wrote Walker. So he's he's getting rid of the lesbians and the NBs, and he's replacing them with baseball players. Yeah, and and the numbers are crazy. Um, Goldberg, relying on Walker, writes that um, quote: "As of July, New College had 328 incoming students, a record for the school. Of the group, 115—that's more than a third—are athletes, and 70 were recruited to play baseball. Oh my god! Even though, as Walker reported, New College has no real sports facilities and has yet to be accepted into the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. By comparison, the University of Florida's far more established baseball team, that's a Division One like big time baseball team, has 37 student athletes. Oh my god! So, <laughs> so they have, those are just so, fucking insane numbers. So they're so you know these are also going to be the worst baseball players in Florida if they're if they're going <laughs> to a college. Are they these like t-ball stars? What is happening here? They're going to a school that doesn't even have the fucking facilities, and they're getting scholarships to do it. More that's than twenty percent of the incoming class is. Prospective baseball players, uh, prospective baseball players. And and it, if anything, Goldberg like slightly undersold how crazy this is because like New College barely has any intercollegiate sports yet. I can't emphasize that enough. They have a tiny handful of sports. Oh, come on. What about the hacky sack team? Well, more or less because they have a tiny handful of sports where they apparently compete against other colleges. Uh, I saw a Tampa Bay Art- Times article that listed those sports as archery, esports, powerlifting, sailing, and swimming. <laughs> Um, but other than that, the college is just now, as of March, they just announced they're launching like sports. Sports are new to the new college. Uh, is this an attempt to get more boys on campus? Like they didn't recruit well, softball players, did they? Just baseball? <laughs> I mean, we're going to get to that. But the whole thing is weird. And what I think is happening is that they're doing this as a shortcut mostly. They might have other um, – motives here. But this is a way for them to quickly juke enrollment right. upward. By by uh, and sure enough, by recruiting low score low scoring yes, low scoring baseball players who aren't that good and then giving them $10,000 scholarships. Do you think I could get a scholarship to get a ba- to play baseball at New College of Florida? I probably could. You might be well, I don't know, you're kind of Jewy. <laughs> Uh, So, I mean, what's crazy is Rufo and the others involved are now touting the fact that they solved the enrollment crisis. Yes, because they gave out a shitload of money to shitty fucking baseball players. Um, One thing I've I've seen Rufo like tweeting about is how effective they've been at securing money from the from the legislature. And it's like, yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay, we're going to get to that. The, the, The coverage by the Sarasota Herald Tribune, by the Stephen Walker guy, was really interesting. We li- we'll link to it. Yeah, he just writes that, like, uh, the interim president, Richard Corker, and the new regime, 
really are just sacrificing talent for raw numbers. So because of these student athletes, the class has a lower GPA and standardized test scores in the last one. Oh my God. But they're boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Walker writes, establishing an athletic program from scratch within months has been a foundation of Corcoran's plan to swell the fall 2023 class, which is just weird. Cause I thought the whole goal here was like classical education, talented people, it's just becoming like a, a sports club. Like Florida really needs more of that. And why is it baseball? Why not football? Are the fields I, harder to make? I, I don't really get it. Like there's so many aspects of this are baffling. For one thing, there's just no shortage of high level college baseball in Florida. Like it's a big yeah. city state. A lot of That's young baseball they do spring players. spring training, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that in places like Arizona. Um, there's a, there's something like 13 division one baseball programs in the state. Uh, and, and more broadly, Florida just has like plenty of big time college sports is a big state with a lot of right. public D one universities. Um, so it comes across as a really strange decision to shift the focus towards athletics this intensely when it's going to take tremendous resources of state money for the new college of Florida to carve out any sort of niche in any sport given they're starting from ground zero. And the whole thing is also weird because as Walker notes, quote, for those that can field the team this year, those teams, it's unclear what facilities they will use or who they will compete against because new college doesn't have any athletic facilities and hasn't yet been accepted to the N- national association of intercollegiate athletics. Um, what this means, unless I'm really missing something. It, and so that's like a division that they would play. It's in. A, a broad organizing thing, which I think it's less prestigious of the NCAA. It's like for smaller schools, okay. uh, but it's like the equivalent of the NCAA. Okay. Um, so inevitably the college is paying $10,000 ahead to kids on athletic scholarships who aren't going to be suiting up in any sport because they don't have sports. What there the yet. fuck? Um, they should have gone with esports. That would oh be mostly boys and way cheaper. You just give everybody a fucking laptop. Yeah, they turn like uh, New College of Florida becomes like a League of Legends powerhouse by importing a bunch of Korean kids. Well, they probably are using racial quotas, but yeah. So I was I was wondering if maybe the regime picked baseball simply because there are a lot of baseball players in Florida. So that would make it easy to juke the recruit numbers. I actually asked Walker about this via Twitter DMs and he responded Quote, I haven't come across any explanation about baseball like that, just that a fixation on athletes as a whole has been the driving force behind the enrollment spike. And I think it's fair to say that Corcoran needed to find an easy way to boost enrollment to hit metrics and look successful. So he established athletics and went aggressive, borderline unethical and illegal to recruit them. Whoa. What what do you mean by that? Yeah, when he said that, I was like, illegal? And and Walker pointed me to a Chronicle of Higher Education story that we'll link to, which points out that... um, This is based on some of Walker's initial reporting, quote, New College of Florida may have violated federal law by dangling the prospect of increased pay to admission staff members if they recruited a larger than usual incoming class for the upcoming academic year, experts said on Thursday. So it's like becoming less a classical education college and more like almost a pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. Like if you get if you get 10 kids into New College of Florida, you get a toaster or something. (laughs) Okay, so this sounds bad. Uh, and are the athletes, I, I don't want to use the term dumber. So are the athletes really stupider than the, uh, than the rest of the incoming class? First of all, thank you for using inclusive language. Uh, <laughs> I, there was one part of Walker's article I slightly rolled my eyes at. He said the combined GPA for student athletes, um, admitted to new college this year was 3.61. Whereas for non-athletes, it was 3.7. So that's a oh, small okay. difference. Marginal. But 
when you compare it to last year's students, last year the average GPA was 3.96. This year it's 3.7. So there's been a that's a significant drop. That's interesting to me that so last year the average GPA of, of so this is incoming students 3.96. Why does it score so? Why does New College score so poorly in all of these metrics? Again, I just think it has. To, it's just not. I think that composite score has to do with a lot more than just like how talented the kids are coming in. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Okay, so what else do we know about the early days of the Rufo regime? Of Emperor Emperor Rufo's uh, cruel dictatorship. Yeah. Um, one weird aspect of this I kind of love is, is that the focus on athletics has actually, and I guess accidentally, made the school more diverse. Mm. So according to Walker, quote, Compared to the previous year, first year enrollment for black students increased by about six percentage points to 9.69%, and male enrollment increased more than 23 percentage points to 53.89%, according to demographic data obtained Monday by the uh, Herald Tribune. First year Hispanic students also increased from 18.8% to 27% this year. Okay, so it's just, it's affirmative action. He's just get, <laughs> he's just getting around the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court decision. Genius. <laughs> this is woke, Jesse. Chris Rufo is woke. <laughs> the way to reintroduce affirmative action was via Rod DeSantis and Chris Rufo. <laughs> and baseball. So this obviously should, if, if we're, being coherent here, this should cry, uh, tie Christopher Rufo into a little bit of a knot. Women actually do outperform men academically. Like it's a pretty big gap, and I think women probably preferred uh, New College of Florida. I think this probably just reflects a preference. Haven't we heard over and over from conservatives and sometimes from us that if women, men and women just prefer things in different amounts, and we shouldn't assume that's discrimination? Let them do it. Yeah. Yes. But then Rufo yes. comes across a situation where, where there's way more women than men, and a year later, he's evening it out. So if you're right. uh, meritocratic, as Rufo claims to be, you can't complain if an incoming class is mostly by women, if they prefer it and they're able to get in. Um, and, and he's been pretty clear that he thinks merit should determine who gets these sorts of academic opportunities. Uh, he wrote in the- Well, uh, merit based on like how mediocre a baseball player you are? Well, so that's the thing, like- there's a lot going on here. It could be, I should, let me just read this quote. Cause he's very clear about this. This is uh, Chris Rufo in the times as noted by Emma camp. Um, after abolishing DEI legislators can adopt a policy of colorblind equality to help establish the equal treatment of individuals, regardless of race, sex, or other characteristics. So he's like, he's on record about this. It could be that Chris Rufo thinks new college was terribly unfairly biased and allowed too many women in, but no one's provided any evidence that's the case. Instead, it seems like Rufo and the board are redefining merit as being good at baseball. And they're using that rather arbitrary metric to build their class, which is exactly what some progressives do. They just say race is another form of merit. Merit's a bullshit concept. It's not objective. It's just, it seems like this is just exactly the same stuff coming from the other direction. Walker's reporting also also notes, I feel so bad for these kids. So the incoming students, and like a lot of, I think this is true at a lot of schools, as you um, become a junior or senior, you get access to better housing. Like you sort of say in shitty housing as a freshman, then you get access to better housing. Walker's reporting noted that like returning students got an email that um, to make, I don't know if the email said this part, but to make way for these incoming mediocre baseball players, the returning students are being pushed into lower quality housing. 
what? that according to an outside consultant has a sufficiently bad mold problem that no one should be housed there at all. Thank God they're using state resources to recruit baseball players rather than take care of the mold problem in the dorms. I will say, just to be fair uh, and complete in our recounting of this, uh, Walker's article does say, quote, the college's email to students mentioned ongoing renovations, but it was unclear if those included repairing mold damage and the underlying building issues causing mold. Jesse, mold, it just, it builds character. Absolutely. Breathing in mold. Absolutely. Except if you're a mediocre baseball player, it would be unfair to subject them to mold because then how will they win the big game against the team's new college plays if they actually start a baseball team on time, which they might not. Um, maybe they should have them play local uh, high school teams. Or maybe Girls teams. if they inhale enough mold, they'll think they're playing other teams from the hallucinations and it won't matter. Okay, and what has Rufo said about all this? Um, yeah, he said, here's part of a long tweet he did. Previously, New College was the lowest performing public university in the state, functionally insolvent, unable to meet recruiting targets, and at risk of being dissolved by the state legislature. Half of all graduates failed to find employment or additional education within a year after graduation, the worst student outcomes of any public university statewide. In the past six months, NCF, New College of Florida, has secured record public funds from the legislature, recruited the largest incoming class in its history, and is rapidly improving all campus facilities and designing a new classical liberal arts curriculum, putting the university on the path to long-term viability for the first time in decades. The charge of destruction, here he's referring to something Tom Nichols said, is preposterous. The opposite is true. Okay, so he's, let me guess here. So... He's he's touting this uh, record public funds secured from the legislature. Let me guess. Is the Florida legislature, is that dominated by Republicans? Katie, I don't know how you knew that. I think you're a genius, <laughs> but yes. That's, what, that's an amazing claim. You, you have this bullshit political project of remaking this school and to support DeSantis' efforts, the legislature gives them money. Then you say, look how much money we brought in. It, it's, it takes some gall to say that. Right, especially considering that they're going to be paying one person, the president of the university, $700,000. Yeah, the legislature is definitely giving doing you some favors. And they're paying a bunch of kids $10,000 yes. to play college sports when they don't have college sports. Right, right. Uh, we also, like, it goes without saying that we have no idea whether whatever problems New College had, anything is going to improve. And of course, hiring less academically talented kids isn't going to make whatever issues they have, like getting jobs and stuff, any better. Um, I think that would depend on what the majors are. Like, it doesn't sound like new, like the former New College student body based on incoming GPAs. It doesn't seem like they were underperforming academically. It sounds like maybe they were liberal arts students who didn't like go into finance and get jobs afterwards. And you could totally argue that the function of a public university is to train workers. I'm sure lots of people make that argument, but clearly that's not the only metric that most of us would look at when evaluating universities. One of the, uh, yeah, one of the things I just noticed is, is Rufo's claim that like half of all students uh, failed to find employment or additional education within a year for what it's worth. The New College of Florida website um, says 83% were employed or in graduate school within four months of graduation. I don't know who's right there, but like I would just question Rufo's cherry picking up stats. It's such a weird metric because just like having a job, what is the job? My first jobs out of college, not for the first year out of college, but for the first really like eight years out of college were service industry jobs. That's a job. And it's only gone downhill from there. You're a podcast now. You're a podcast. Right. I mean, what was your, a a year after, after graduating from college, what were you doing? 
I did a few, I, because I came from a family where I could do this, I did a few unpaid internships and then I was at um, Campus Progress at the Center for American Progress. So I was, I quickly became a little nerd, uh, but they were not. It was, I think 33 grand a year was my initial salary, so, which was fine at the time, but like, yeah, you're not. Right. It's just, it's a, that metric is just, it's really difficult to evaluate what that even means. Like, are you talking about kids who get a job in their field? Or are you talking about kids who get any job? Because you can get any job yeah. depending on how the economy is. You don't really need a college degree just to get any, like any random fucking job. I should say, <laughs> okay, first of all, I should say that I, I, I'm just saying Rufo's stat really differs from what the college says. Of course, colleges do skew these stats themselves and have their own bullshit. Also, all right, Katie, I'm going to send you the website I'm looking at here. This is the New College uh, of Florida Outcomes of Graduates webpage. Okay, and this is, is this is this a, a Rufo creation or is this a prior creation? No, no, this is their their college website, .edu, touting how well their kids do. But just, I'm being uh, immature here, but tell, what do you notice about all the photos of students under who are New College alumni? These are all very hot people. <laughs> These are- <laughs> They're so hot. Why has Rufo ignored the fact that before he got there, they were producing really hot graduates? Wow. Okay. So, yeah, you've got like a couple of surfer girls and some guys who genuinely look like male models. One of them looks like a, looks like a Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I think these are stock photos of models. And so that's very, that's really disingenuous of Rufo to have not mentioned once the hot young graduates of the new college of Florida. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the last, they are a little white. I think we could have used a little bit, uh, a little no, bit of uh, some hot bipods on this page. Latinx. Isn't she? Latinx. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, you know, white adjacent. Katie, by, I, I use these little online calipers tool I have. And by my count, three of the five are Latinx. <laughs> anyway, um, the last thing I want to address that uh, Rufo said in his tweet storm is the dumbest thing he said, which is um, they've recruited the largest incoming class in its history. That's kind of hilarious in context. Okay. And, and one other thing. So he keeps talking about this like new classical liberal arts curriculum. Do we know anything about that? What does that mean? Yeah, Katie, I have to admit, I haven't looked deeply into this, but my sense is like it's sort of bullshit to claim that kids didn't already get a, um, you know, classical liberal education there. I mean, I'm just looking at like the philosophy page, like modern philosophy, the first course I list. This course introduces students to major philosophical developments in early modern Europe with emphasis on the modern philosophical and scientific conceptions of nature, as well as the contributions of women philosophers in the period. Oh, no, they mentioned women. But other than that, early modern Europe. It's all, it's all, it's mostly white men and philosophy of my, I just, I'm, I don't in much the same way they canceled women's studies just because it's women's studies. I think this curriculum revamp is not based on anything unless you trust Chris Rufo to know what makes for a good curriculum and what needs to be remade, which I don't. So I, my sense is that is bullshit. I did see some tweet from him in the last couple of weeks where he was talking about recruiting new faculty uh, and he had like specific disciplines listed philosophy these these disciplines that would fall under this sort of classical liberal uh, designation and when someone asked how to apply he said email me and he gave him an email address that's like, how it works like he personally is going to be no yeah he personally is going to be vetting, vetting these people and Jeffrey Sachs pointed out that Florida has they have really robust transparency laws so potentially you could file public records requests and get access to Chris, Chris Rufo's fucking proton mail account really good stuff really good stuff smart man um, 
so yeah, this is all quite a mess. And to me, it's like a useful example of why you don't want revolutionaries to have power. <laughs> like I happen to disagree with a lot of what Chris Rufo believes because he's a conservative and I'm a liberal, but I also wouldn't want to give the left-wing equivalent of a Chris Rufo the ability to just sort of have broad power to remake an institution they thought was too conservative. And um, I think this whole... Uh, new college thing is really exposing some of the limitations of these like most virulent anti-woke folks. I'm not sure that they like, actually know what they're doing or that we should, even if on certain issues, um, like I think we agree with Chris Rufo that certain areas of academia are silly and not particularly rigorous, but on the question of what to do about it, I, I do not think these guys should be filling anyone with confidence so far. Yeah, I agree with you. And every time we've talked about this, there's a robust discussion in our comments section and we get emails from people who are like, no, this is the right thing to do. You know, the old new college used state funding to fund these ridiculous departments. Students weren't getting jobs uh, after they graduate, although, as we talked about, that's sort of debatable. And uh, we have some we definitely have some Rufo defenders in the audience, people who think that there should be more welcoming environments for conservatives in, in higher ed. And I think that's true. I think that there should be an effort to recruit more ideologically diverse faculty and students at, at public institutions, for sure. But the way that he's going about this is all wrong. You need to have buy-in when you reform an institution. And he has gone out of his way to antagonize the people who were already there. This is the definition of a hostile takeover. And they're using state they're using taxpayer money, Florida taxpayers' money, to pay for this. Yeah. It's shocking to me that even conservatives would defend this. This is a waste of taxpayer dollars, giving $10,000 per student for these mediocre, mediocre baseball players, paying the, the fucking president of this very, very tiny university $700,000 to run this place and doing it in a way that is alienating to the people who actually built this college. I just... I would have had so much more respect for them if they had built something from scratch, but they didn't do that. They had to go ruin something else. Katie, if I commit to doing all the, the research and reporting, um, assuming they get the baseball team up and running in time, can we do a feature every week in the spring where I report on how they did that week and what the scores were? Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> this is a sports podcast oh, now. Man. It is a sports podcast. Uh, yeah, it, this is all really pathetic. And again, the cost to the state of Florida is going to be just from that dude's fucking salary, man. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. I'm it not crazy. crazy. I'm not crazy. This is crazy. You know, this never would have happened if uh, if Rufo hadn't been bullied out of uh, out of his city council race in Seattle. He could be here antagonizing the libs in Seattle rather than doing it in Florida, 3,000 miles away from where he actually fucking lives. <laughs> Uh, this has been Blocked Reported. As always, we're produced with help from Tracing Woodgrains and the Mysterious Lex. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, go fighting whatevers. And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember, all of this could have been avoided if the Disney princesses hadn't come out as trans.